Welcome to the Kintsugi Heroes podcast, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people going through different challenges and how they overcome them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help keep you safe. If you love this conversation, please like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next hero's story. This episode is with Adam Bood. He is a published author and a sales expert, a course creator, and he works with business owners to help them, you know, scale their business with sales. On the outside, he sounds successful and driven and, you know, someone we look up to, which we do. And yet this story was one where he put all that aside and showed his vulnerability and the journey that he's been on that's seen him go through depression and giving into alcohol and weed. And he was able to unpack it all. And what I loved was seeing Adam as another human being. It doesn't matter that he's all those things underneath all of that and the mask that we wear, he's a human like everyone else. And he shared with me the pain of not having the support, not having people to understand him at certain parts and points in his journey, especially as a a new father and someone going through different career challenges. Now he wants to help others. So this one is Adam Food. Hello and welcome. Here we are to an, another episode of Kintsugi Heroes. I'm here with Adam Boo today. How are you, Adam? Great, Ab. How are you? Really well, thank you. I'm so grateful that you're here and uh, I'm really, really excited. Not that I know anything about your story, so this is actually really news to me because I know you have paths across a little bit in the past. So to have you on the show is like a joy for me. And also a privilege because you're obviously, you know, going to be sharing part of your story with me, and and for that I'm really grateful. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? We we come together through business worlds, but what people don't always understand is it's the making of us as a person that forges where we go in our businesses. So um, this would be mm-hmm. this would be an interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well. This is about you sharing your story, uh, overcoming adversity or challenges. And um, how about you take us back to where it began? Where would you like to start your story? So I guess um, my, my, I'll start my story right back from a kid, really. Um, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Uh, my father was an alcoholic manic depressant, and I um, was on the receiving end of a lot of emotional abuse a little bit of physical abuse as well growing up um, and grew up for many years with a vacant dad. He just wasn't there, like just unsupportive, just we never saw him, just wasn't there. So um, so I know that um, a lot of my issues came from the early years and even I still remember now the age of 13 was when I was at the first time diagnosed um, with depression and um, following my dad's footsteps of the manic depressant, uh, who was on lithium at the time and they threw me on lithium 
as well. So um, I wasn't on it for long, but it's certainly a, it's certainly a, it's certainly in here that it happened um, from right back then. So how did that set the scene then for the years to come? Strangely enough, I was always a bit of a misfit at school, never really fit in. Um, and I, and I think that whole craving attention stuff from my dad, um, definitely affected my behavior growing up. So I was, I was always a bit of a rat bag, um, really negative kid, overweight, not many friends or all that type of stuff. Um, and disengaged in school. So, um, <laughs> all of my report cards all said, if only Adam applied himself and I got that for years. Um, and I suppose the realization of all that came when I finished year 12. Um, and I only finished year 12 out of spite for my, uh, year 10 coordinator at the time who said, drop out of school because school's not for you. You're not going to amount to anything. And I thought, well, I'm going to stick it to you and I'm going to finish it. And past. So I did. But then I, I was like, well, what do I do now? I didn't want to go to university. Um, I really had no idea what I wanted to be doing with my life and um, just fell into sales um, menial, you know, menial work just to try and find my way through life. Um, and that sort of one thing led to another thing, led to another thing. And my mental health was okay over those years. Um, Always a little bit on the, on the chubby side, but, um, I, I still had a lot of emotional issues, um, around men, dads, or all, all that type of stuff. And that played out in relationships I had everywhere indirectly. Um, now that I can reflect upon that, I can see that. Um, but where it, um, where it really, hit hard for me there was two moments in time and the first time was after i'd lost a job for the uh, that first phone call i got where we uh we just started working at a new company there's a whole group of us that started and formed this whole new company in melbourne and um, and we built that company from scratch and we we're doing a really good job in 12 months time and then the um uh it was owned by the ford motor company subsidiary of ford and they executive decision was to shut down that whole operation so we all got the the marching order on the spot and i handed back the keys to the car that i had i was a sales rep at the time and and that was the first time i was unemployed for about six months and i just couldn't i couldn't find work because i was unemployable uh, with my skill set and with my experience and and that was the realization of oh should i have done some more with my time how old were you at this point adam uh so this was 2000 so t- early 20s mm-hmm. um unemployed for about 6 months then i started on drinking a lot more and um started smoking started smoking weed and and really was going down a, a different path um went overseas on a holiday i was i was pretty low i'd just broken up with a girlfriend she broke my heart and all that type of stuff and i was at a pretty low place and, and that's where i uh, ended up meeting my my new wife my wife <laughs> my only wife amanda um met her in bali and um and then came back and you know for the first six months of our relationship i was unemployed so here she was the main income earner here i was a centrelink bum and just couldn't get job i couldn't get a job 
um, and then I fell into commission work and that's when everything sort of changed for me. Um, that whole commission sales thing was, uh, that was an interesting, interesting experience and did that for a couple of decades. But, uh, from the time that we were together, Amanda and I, for five years, then we got married. Um, then we had our first child. Um, and then it wasn't until, uh, we found out that Amanda was pregnant with our second that that's when, that's when it really hit the road because I'd, um, uh, the job that I had at that stage uh, was just killing me, so I'd quit. We went away to Port Douglas for a holiday, come back, and Amanda's pregnant, find out that they're twins, and then all I could think about was, oh, shit. You know, um, previous to that, oh, I'm missing a, a element. So previous to that, um, I'd lost all of our money on the stock market you know, did a, a couple of really bad trades and went into debt to the stockbrokers. We had to leave where we were living, go and rent somewhere else and um, we we're living off credit cards for a while. So it was a pretty, pretty hard time. And then that happened and, and all I could think about was how are we going to survive this financially? Um, and that financial stress was, uh, that was a bit of a, bit of an issue. I wasn't anticipating being out of work again for another six months because I just could not get a job, even though I'd had at that stage, you know, a decade of commission sales experience in multiple industries. I just couldn't get a proper job. Um, and Centrelink wasn't really cutting it for us. And Amanda was about to go on maternity leave. And, and then I finally landed a good job, um, which was, uh, with a six figure salary and commissions. And I was going to be heading up, heading up a sales force in Melbourne for a corporate hospitality company and within three months of starting that role along comes the GFC. So that whole thing just turned to crap and it was just me. And then the twins were born and that was when that was when it was it. It was on from that moment on. Um sounds like yeah, it w- it would have been a, a, a challenging time, no no doubt, during Amanda's pregnancy. Tell me, I'm fascinated to understand the journey you, you've been on relating back to, I guess, the depression at the age of 13. So how has that influenced these, these events, these fairly significant events, um, being out of work multiple times when you, you know, obviously at challenging times and then Amanda getting pregnant and et cetera. So do you know what I mean? I, I'm really interested to know about that because you don't just get over it do you in a heartbeat i don't um i I think if i'm if i was to put my mind to to how the depression in the early stages has has had an impact on that it's a really good question um and and i'm really not sure how to answer that because there's part of me that thinks did it have anything to do with that depression or is it, was it more behavior, was probably more behavioral issues that I was going through as opposed to the depression? Because as uh, I remember thinking I was depressed, but I'm pretty sure it was more behavioral and misdiagnosed at the time. So those behavioral issues are the ones that were holding me back through promotions. They were holding me back from getting jobs. My attitude was terrible. Um, and then, and then obviously started to drink more and, get really unhealthy and um, it just keeps spiraling, you know, uh, every day 
smoking packet of cigarettes a day and you know, I was very, very unhealthy mind and body um, and had a lot of anger, a lot of anger growing up and a lot of anger with my dad and, and the relationship that we had was pretty, pretty horrible. So um, I think that being at the time my subconscious identity is what was affecting um, the right pathways to open. Mm. And how or when did that change for you? Uh, that changed in 2001 when I first started my journey in PD. Um, PD being? Uh, personal development. Okay, thanks. Um, did all of the whole Anthony Robbins stuff and NLP and Reiki and um, I really started to immerse myself in a lot of uh, personal development. and. For many years, though, I've, as I was involved in personal development and even in the first business I had that was, it was in a network marketing industry and that was also personal development. What I realized I was doing was trying to fix myself as if I was a broken, a broken being and spent a good part of a decade trying to figure out how to fix myself. So that whole time frame and even now when we're constantly immersing ourselves in um, personal development and mindset stuff so that we can keep on the, on the right side of the ledger and moving forward with a bit more empowerment. But that was the turning point because now I could actually see things differently and had a clearer understanding as I was growing what I was doing and how I was doing it. So obviously I'm assuming then at that point your, your habits around smoking and drinking and living unhealthily shifted and changed. Yeah. Yeah. I got up to, um, about 94 kilos at one point. And, um, that all changed when we, um, relocated from Melbourne to the Gold Coast. Um, really got my life back on track. Um, the twins are about two, but that was after I had gone through the whole, uh, suicidal stuff. Do you want to take me through that? I want to share. What happens there? After uh, the twins were born, um, I was stuck in that um, role in the height of the GFC in a serviced office in Melbourne by myself. And um, our twins were very, very sick babies, like very sick. Uh, we, ne- we nearly lost them both. Uh, my son, was he was hooked up to um, life support machines for two weeks. Um, my daughter stopped breathing. Interestingly enough, he saved her by screaming out like this big. It was unreal. Um, Amanda just heard this weird screech, goes in there to find out what's going on and breed stopped breathing. So, but they had a lot of health issues. They, they, they couldn't, they couldn't heat, um, eat her breast milk. They had a lot of reflux. Um, they were underdeveloped. Josh had lung problems. Um, allergies galore. It was, and I was struggling with work at the same time, struggling to make sales. And eventually I was on commission only again and I was suffering severe sleep deprivation, like severe. It was, um, we had our older daughter who would wake me up every night because she was having nightmares and putting her back to bed. And then an hour later getting up to feed one twin with my wife or then they're still crying and I just wasn't sleeping and then fronting up the next day to go and put in a full day's worth of work 
And Amanda had pelvic instability, so she was physically incapacitated to a certain degree as well. And then I was pretty pissed off because we ended up qualifying for um, some in-home care, but that in-home care was just helping her during the day. And, so, and there was nothing for me. Um, so I'd come home, Amanda's stuffed, big day, three kids, all under 18 months, 19 months, 20 months, whatever. It was, it was pretty hectic and she couldn't move around. And, and then it was doing the dinners and then all the washing and all the stuff that comes with twins. If you think one baby is great, multiply that by three and you've got twins. Multiply that by four, you've got three. So, uh, the workload was really intense and I had no support. Um, and that was the realization that I was totally alone as well because no one was going up to earn any money. No one was coming to help me do my bit around the house. I physically was depleted. There was nothing left in the tank um, on all levels. Like I was beaten um, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. So I'd copped it from all areas and, the only way out was in front of a train. So it was, um, it was pretty, it was pretty dark times. How can I ask a, a, a personal question? On it? And this comes from partly my own experience having ha- had twins as well. And I know what it's like to go through those uh, first couple of years and the sleep deprivation. How was your relationship with Amanda through this period? I don't remember. The first two years of their life was just a complete blockout. Like I've just, all I could remember was pain. Yeah. Um, and there was a huge amount of resentment as well because, uh, what, what people don't understand is that all the, um, care and attention, um, is always on, is always on the woman. But there's no care and attention there for the man. It's just expected. Mm-hmm. And Amanda had the support. She had her mom. She had people coming, nannies and whatnot. Eventually, we got some nannies doing some night stuff so she could have a bit of a break. Um, but no one ever asked, how are you? No one ever asked, "Is can we help you, Adam? You know, no one ever asked, what, how's work helping you out? Or like, there's just, I just felt like I was totally alone. And abandoned by, by life. Sorry for the interruption. This is Ian Westmoreland, the founder of Kintsugi Heroes, and thank you for listening to this story from one of our amazing heroes. Our mission is for these stories to provide hope and inspiration to people experiencing life challenges and to also educate the broader community on how best to provide support. If you would like to help us continue to produce more hero stories, and cover more adversity themes, we would welcome all donations. These can be made via our website, kitsukiheroes.com.au. The donate function is at the bottom of the homepage. We'd also welcome any feedback. You can email me direct using ian at kitsukiheroes.com.au. Now let's get back to the story. Did you have anyone to talk to? I had a couple of friends, but no one that really understood mm-hmm. where I was at, what I was going through. Um, I didn't have a counsellor as such. 
just picked up my suitcase and walked out the door and got on with the next day and come home and groundhog. Finally, when they were in bed, polish off a bottle of wine. <laughs> it was That was the routine. And at this point in your life, had you tackled the internal demons around your, your father? No. No, we went many years without speaking, uh, a lot of hate and resentment and, and issues. So that was still festering in the background somewhere while I was dealing with all this other stuff in the, on the front end. The comment that comes to my, my, my mind as you're talking is, how the hell did you survive? Like, how did you get through? I have no idea. Every morning I would go to work and I would look at that train and just want to jump, you know, and just get it over with because it was just, I was in so much hurt, so much pain. But then um, there was a couple of moments where I'd look at my older daughter. She gave me the first inspiration to go on. It was just that one look where her eyes just locked. Uh, and that sort of got, gave me enough power to keep moving forward. We went away, um, for my brother's wedding and he was in Port, du- had it in Port Douglas and the twins were nearly two. And I thought to myself, thank God, finally someone can take one of the kids and we can have a bit of a break. And it didn't end up being that way at all. You know, mum said, well, I'm here for a, a break too. And I thought, wow, that was when. I emotionally checked out from my family. We came back from Port Douglas. We made the decision to relocate from Melbourne. And within one month, we packed up. I'd found somewhere to live. I found a job just to start with, and we were gone. And it was fascinating, um, Av, because no one in Melbourne actually believed that we were going until they came to the empty house that we were living in. And I said, see ya. Mm. And your family are all in Melbourne? Yeah, everyone's in Melbourne. Um, so we, we came up here because it was, um, it was either die down there or give ourselves an opportunity to start again. So we packed up and moved to a place where we're on the Gold Coast now and we knew no one, had no contacts, had no friends, had no family, had no roots in the ground. Like there was, there was nothing. It was a complete, complete fresh start. And that's when, um, that's when we started to. That's when I start to turn it all around. Um, looking back, have you discussed with Amanda like what was going on for her at this point and, and when you left Melbourne and landed in the Gold Coast and how things changed for her as well? Um, before we left Melbourne, the, the struggle was real because her father um, committed suicide. So he, from her perspective, um, she was faced with the reality of not only losing her dad but losing her husband both to suicide because I was I was pretty much on suicide watch at the time so it was um I mean she was amazing she she held it all together and she kept the family going and she gave me enough to to help me keep moving and if it wasn't like there was no problems for her she was like yep let's go let's get out of this this Melbourne is killing us this whole thing let's let's start all over again and and she was a she was a nurse, so it was easy for her to get work. She just went straight back in um, not long after we started here, so uh, she knew she wouldn't have any problems working. She was a rock, stronger than stronger than I gave her credit for. Wow, sounds like she 
I don't know, save, I don't want to say saved you, but in a way saved the relationship and created the, the, the opportunity for the transformation. I think I was all, I was still also on that personal development journey as well. So there was a little bit of that going on in the back end. And we'd both done all the stuff together uh, across that time as well. So we'd both been growing together. Um, uh, to be honest, I think that's the reason why we were able to keep moving forward together. Had she not have been on that journey with uh, me, then uh, it probably would have been a bit different. And potentially catastrophic, catastrophically different, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't, we never really know the ramifications of the other side, but we look back at our life now. Um, we love where we live. You know, we're pretty well settled here now and, um, kids are growing up and they're healthy and they're happy and we're, we're pretty fortunate. They're pretty well balanced kids, even though they've got a pretty unbalanced dad. <laughs> so it's, um, so that's, uh, it's, it's good. You're smiling and laughing at yourself, which is a great place to be. And you obviously haven't gotten to this place without a lot of work and a lot of acceptance and a lot of processing and reflection. Where, it, is there any remnants of that angry kid today? Oh, so, look, yes. Sometimes he he, uh, he comes out. Like I had a big fallout this week with Josh, my son. Um, really worst moment ever. Um, things just got way out of hand and, and basically I just said to him, you managed to get the green guy out of me. You know, so it's um, I think deep down the green guy lives in everyone that's the, the Hulk for those that don't know. And he's in there. You know, we've all got him. Um, that's why people resonate with these sort of superhero stuff because they're all parts of our personality. Um, yeah. I need to get triggered pretty heavily though for him to come out. How old's your son? Uh, he'll be 14 at, in December. Yeah. Interesting and age. He's the, yeah, yeah, and he's a twin. So. Yeah, it is an interesting age. I said to him, mate, do you think I'm educated to uh, bring up teenagers? I said, because I'm trying to figure this out while you're trying to figure it out. So between the two of us, we're a complete mess. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you can just laugh at it because that's that's the best way to be, especially at this point with, with your son. Um, what's been... Looking back on the journey, uh, what what kind of reflections or, or lessons or, I guess, silver linings can you take from what you've been through? I think the um, it's like that story, The Life of Hard Knocks, you know. Um, I have absolutely experienced the life of hard knocks. Nothing has been given to me um, easily. I've had to work my ass off for everything. and. When people judge how I behave, they, they don't understand the life of hard knocks that come from the, the person that I am today. Um, what, do I wish that I didn't have those hard knocks? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would have all, I'd love life to be a little bit simpler, um, at times, but at the same time, I look at all the lessons that I'm getting and every time I get a new lesson from another hard knock, what this is motivating me to do is change the way that life is for other people. I wish it didn't take two decades for this to happen. I think it would have been great if it happened in 12 months, 
and I got those lessons earlier on and I could have been so much further advanced in my, in my life work. But, um, the, the take home message for me is that, you know, everything happens to us for a reason. And I really believe that. Um, I think a lot of the stuff we, we, we create through our mindset, you know, what we think is what we're going to bring in. But universally, there's, there's, uh, there's a universal lesson that's happening. And, and what we're supposed to learn from that lesson is what's going to pave, pave our way moving forward on the journey that we're here for. Um, I'm convinced our journeys were mapped out for us before we got here. And, um, had I known that that was the way life was when I was growing up, I probably had a, would have had a very different approach to it. Fortunately for us, we educate our kids that that is how life is. Um, and so they've got completely different opportunity moving forward to, to what we have such a good head start. Okay? Um, they're, they're the, they're the lessons out of it. They're fabulous lessons. And if only all of us could be so reflective and learn from our pasts, our childhoods, the things that have burnt us and hurt us and shifted those in a way that gives our children a, a far different um, life. You know, it's like you if you embody all your own lessons and you pass those to your children, they don't hopefully have to go through them because through some process of assimilation and also the way in which you guide them by the sounds of it, you're giving your children a different perspective and a different uh, opportunity to have a much better life, which is, which is, which is amazing. So just want to acknowledge that. Oh, cheers. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love my kids to, to not experience a heartache that we had, but they also have, um, self-aware parents too which we didn't have so um and even amanda's parents were not self-aware they were very old school and traditionalists but um we're both pretty pretty self-aware sounds like that trip to bali all those years ago was it was you know like the best one to have met this lady who's been so critical in your life's journey well, we've questioned that too because we did meet in the Sari Club and then 12 months later <laughs> that we don't know what happened to that place. And, and then our <laughs> anniversary, uh, sorry, our wedding, we were supposed to have our anniversary, our honeymoon in Thailand, but that's when the tsunami came. So there's, there was, there was parts of us thinking probably we shouldn't be on this journey together or what, what is going on here? It was a bit freaky. Yeah. Or, or look at it that you actually dodged the, the. We dodged a few bullets, yeah. You dodged bullets. Together you dodge bullets, see? Yeah. See, that's the way I, I'm reading it. I, I, I always look at the glasses half full. Half full. Yeah. Um, another question just on your, your past. Tell me where are you at with your relationship with father figures and in particular yours? How do you feel today? Yeah. So. Uh, my dad's come back into my life. It's, it's superficial, but we have connection. And I think that connection's more based around his realization of mortality. Um, as he's getting closer to the end of it in his own little way, he's, he's trying to make amends. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm over all the, the hurt and anger towards him. If he wants to be part of it, he can. If he's not, he's not. But there's, 
it can't, it can't get too deep because then the, too much hurt will come. Um, but we both know where we stand. So it's, it's, it's good. Each week he'll reach out. Interestingly enough, I hear from him more than I do my mum now. So, um, it's fascinating how, how things mm. turn, turn around. Yeah, indeed. Um, do you have any regrets about the past? Yeah, I do. I, I, I wish, I wish I was more open to receive as a kid. Um, cause I shut myself off from so much and, and I do regret always being, um, miserable, um, as a byproduct of my attention seeking mm. behavior. And I'd wish I'd learnt what the victim was at a young age instead of learning about what the victim is at a, a later stage in life because for so many years I was playing that victim card without realising that, you know, I'm putting that upon myself as opposed to me actually being the victim. But a great, uh, really interesting insight about yourself. Not many mm. people could answer that question, Adam. I'm, I'm really stoked that you've answered it so well. Oh, wow. Um, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a journey. And and you're sitting there, you look really relaxed. You're looking good. I know that you're on a juice cleanse. Um, so maybe that's why your skin looks so amazing. For those of you who are listening to the audio, Adam looks great. I couldn't imagine you as overweight, by the way. So I've only ever known you as being the way you look. And that's a beauty of Zoom as well, because we only see people's like shoulders and heads, but you look healthy and happy and balanced and grounded. So you, you, you know, full credit to you for the journey you've been on and the work that you've put into yourself. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The juice cleanse is an interesting one. Um, 14 days with just juice and water. It's a great way to rebalance the body. Oh, yes. What day are you on? Uh, today is day 10. Nice. Yeah, it was originally a seven-day one, but we really got some great benefits in that first week, so we thought we'd do it again. I love it. I love how you just, you know, keep going. Hey, that works. Let's just go again, go harder. Well, that, well that's the key to life, isn't it? If it's working, keep doing more of it. If it's not working, yeah. keep doing less of it. It's it's pretty it's a pretty simple philosophy i think <laughs> um i'm yeah in closing i just want to also acknowledge you know what you raised about being so alone when your your twins were newborns i think it's a it's a pretty endemic systemic issue we have that men yeah. don't have a lot of support and they're not yeah. recognized yeah so as you were sharing that i so yeah i felt very sad for you and for all the men who experienced that it's just it's it's almost tragic you know that our our society hasn't figured out a way to support the the whole family rather than just one person of the family it's um the, the way i see it is it's um it's that whole mainstream thing you know um we all, all hear about breast cancer, but we, we rarely hear of prostate cancer. You know, just as many men are dying from prostate cancer as what ladies are with breast cancer. What mm. people don't understand is that there's just as many men suffering from postnatal depression than mm. women 
uh, and mm. they use women, um, they highlight women because of the emotional stuff that's going on and how that throws their whole body out of whack hormonally and emotionally and whatnot, but the men aren't factored into it. So if the way that I see things, if we're really going to have um, a society of equal um, equalism, if that's a word, then it goes both ways. You know, um, just because men have been the hunter and gatherer for all these generations and, and women have been the homekeeper doesn't mean women can't be the hunter and gatherer and men be the homekeeper. Um, there's plenty of families that I know um, where the female is the main income earner and the male is not. So um, equality equality lies in, in, in so many different factors and, and postnatal depression for men, which is what I had ultimately, is a real thing. Um, mm. Financial depression for men, which I've also had, is, a, is, a, is the number one killer for men. That's what takes most men out. Um, unfortunately, the, the suicide rates for that financial stress are overwhelming. Yet, where do we hear about that? Where do we hear about society talking to men about financial stress and what they can do to, uh, to balance that? Who helps them? Uh, if they are the main income earners to to provide when they're in a, in a state of emotional pain and suffering, you know, it's, the, the men are. But on the flip side of that, men are egotistical animals as well, and their pride holds them back from reaching out for help. And 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 it did for me too. It held me back. My my pride of being judged uh, for being weak or being inferior. Um, you know, it's, it's, as a failure, you know, last thing you want to be known as, is as a failure, as a dad, as a man, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's a big thing. So I think, uh, I think society needs to really lift the game on, on that aspect significantly, which is why I wanted to be on this podcast because, um, men are suffering in a really big way. Um, and there's not a lot of, uh, men that will show their, their female side. We all have one. We're not all macho all the time. You know, mm. uh, they will have that vulnerability to go out into the world and say, I need help. You know, and I yeah. think those that do have that vulnerability are the ones that ultimately have the courage and, and, and they're the ones that pull through. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, Thank you for speaking so candidly and openly about all of that. I know that anyone listening to this who is resonating or going through it would be feeling really encouraged and hopefully can listen to your story as well and be encouraged by the fact that you, you do, you did make it through and there is always a way through. What would you say to someone who's listening to this, a guy who might be going through any kind of depression like you experienced, um, anyone who resonates with your story? Have you got any words for them of encouragement, support or something else? Um, the universe always has your back whether you think it does or it doesn't. It, it always does. Um, and in times of, of need, what you will find is the real people in your life will surface. All the fake people will disappear, but those real ones will be the ones that are there to to give you that support that you need. And the other thing that a lot of, we, we lose focus on is that when we're in that state, um, 
what we're actually doing is we're focusing on the pain of the past as opposed to understanding the reality of the present and the possibility of the future. If you're finding yourself in that state of, of deep depression, that depression is not who you are now. That depression is something that you chose to wake up to that served you in the past that you're still bringing forward with you into your future. That's pretty deep. <laughs> you can unpack that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, well, those, it's, easy to, it's easy to say in hindsight, yeah. Um, it's so much harder when you're dealing with it, when you're in, in, the, in the, you know, the heat of the battle, um, for sure. But I think the, the biggest thing is that when you do find another man who comes into your life where you have the opportunity to bear all, then I would encourage you to take that opportunity to bear all. You know, warts and all, just let it all out. If they're going to judge you for who you are and how you're feeling, then they're not the people that you want in your inner circle. But if they're people that, that you can openly express yourself to, just getting it that off your shoulders is a huge weight that's lifted. And most men may not have that conversation with their partners. Um, but if you've got that one person that you can have that conversation with and be that one person for other people to have that conversation with, got it, it's not a one way street, you know, um, then I think we'll find more and more men tapping into their vulnerability. And once they can tap into their vulnerability, we'll ultimately tap into their true power. Beautiful words. Really, really beautiful honest, vulnerable, and coming from experience, mm. ultimately. Thank you. Um, I've so enjoyed this and you bringing to light this really important journey and one that's not often spoken about. And I hope that any male, any person listening to this has gotten something from it. And it might be a, a shock and a surprise even to women. Um, you know, that this is such a, a, a problem, an issue, and it really is. And, and, and I just want to, um, thank you for being brave and open and sharing your story today. That's uh, my pleasure. You know, if I can help save one other life, then it was, um, was an hour well spent. Exactly. Well, and thank you for spending it with me. It's been oh, a likewise. pleasure. I yeah. appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below. Join us next week for our next hero story. Until then, keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique way.